What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of High and Wide Radio. I'm Jim. Here, as always, with my good friend, Jack Smith. Jack, your uh, first HW Full Circle episode in the books. How do you feel? Uh, I feel like uh, a weight's been lifted. I got to really talk about what I wanted to talk about, some certain uh, ob- uh, certain things people are talking about, and tra- just changing it a little bit, and reading articles. I was able to go off on a little bit of a rant. Uh, I also have my good friend Steve on there to hit us with the analytics, and shockingly, uh, it backed up what I was saying, so that was very nice as well. Awesome episode. Uh, Really exciting stuff. If you guys haven't listened to, which I'm assuming you have because it's got a shit ton of plays, so uh, if you've listened, awesome. If you haven't listened yet, make sure you check that out, Uh, HW Full Circle with Jack and Steve. Uh, I want to welcome Steve Ferrari into our family officially. First show with Jack the other night. Awesome stuff there. We mentioned a couple weeks ago we have a lot of exciting stuff happening here at High and Wide. That's one of them. Brand new show. Going to be out every Monday. Every Monday, right? Not bi-weekly. Every Monday, right? Uh, right now we're looking bi-weekly, but that could change. Okay. All right. So be up, be on the lookout every other Monday or every Monday. We'll see. Uh, for HW Full Circle. A lot of information in there, guys. Uh, let's kick off the show with some of our topics for tonight, Jack. We had a game to watch on, what was it, Sunday now? It feels so long ago. Sunday at 3 o'clock. Yeah, so the Flyers laid the smackdown on the league-leading, 100-point scoring, President Trophy winning Boston Bruins. Boston Ric Flair's. Yeah, I see what you're doing there. <laughs> Woo! Uh, uh, you know, it's it, it was awesome to see because, and this is still a mantra that's going around. It is probably the thing that's bothering me the most. As good as that game was, you know what everybody not from Philly is saying? Uh, they're saying it's not so much that Philly won, it's that Boston wasn't ready. Boston didn't play a full game. Cassidy was furious with them. And they said some similar things when we beat Pitt. It's a preseason game. Crosby's hurt. Wah, wah, wah. We just can't get credit no matter what happens. It's true, isn't it? Like, you beat the Penguins. Actually, like, I mean, the Flyers played these teams well all season. Now, if you wanted to knock them on something about the Bruins, they failed to beat them in regulation out of the three times they played them. They did win two out of the three, but they went to shootout. So I could understand I could I could see that argument a little bit. You know, shootouts are kind of luck. Like, the game, they kind of tied, and then they end up winning in a shootout. I, you know, we don't like... I, I'm not crazy for shootouts, but in the only game that was decided in regulation, the Flyers lost 2-0. Now, this game here, Boston had the legs in the first period. They outshot the Flyers 12-6. Pretty much... I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to say dominated Philadelphia because... The Flyers were playing with them. It just looked like Boston had an extra jump in their step, an extra pep in their step, if you will. For a game that was in Toronto, which is one of Boston's rivals, not that there are any fans, it certainly felt like they were the home team to open the first period uh, with the energy. And I had that feeling of, we need to just weather this storm, you know, get our legs under ourselves and what have you, and get our game going. And luckily they didn't give up any goals and they were able to do that. Uh, and then it just kind of went from there and they just played their game, which was fantastic. And that's really all you can ask for. And the, the thing is, it's like you want to give Boston a buy and they kind of like deserve a little bit. I get these, you don't, you can't be eliminated by losing these games. And at worst, you're the fourth seed if you lose them all, but like, Oh, they weren't ready. Yada, yada. Well, how about we give the flyers some credit because they were ready because they were, did come to play. And one thing, and we'll get into like when we talk about uh, the game itself and our stars, you know, it's not like we had one guy go off. We had a lot of gritty guys doing some stuff, and it wasn't a two to one edged out victory. It was four to one, and it was two two different two goal leads. That makes sense. And when they did give up one, they came right back. Felipe Myers, you know, that was a dagger. And I don't even – was that even in the third yet or was that uh, – if it was, it was early in the third. There was plenty of game left when they cut that lead in half and they came right back down and got that two-goal lead back. I mean that just took the, the wind right out of their sails. And, uh, you know, that's that's how you respond to giving up a goal. 
And there should be credit given for that, too. And I know it wasn't Rask. It was Halak. But Halak's not a bad goalie. He's probably the best backup in the league. Yeah, I, I saw a couple guys trying to sneak that out there. Sean, uh, if you're listening, Coombsy, he's one of those guys. Uh, oh, they played against the backup. But Halak's arguably one of the better backups in the NHL. Um, he was a starting caliber goalie. I mean, what? Like couple, at least a couple years ago, he played with two, the Islanders two, for a little two bit. Two years ago, he was he was you know at least in a one A one B situation. Yeah, that's kind of thing I will say is the Flyers tend to have his number. <laughs> that is one one stat, but. Okay, like this yeah. team's number one in the league, and look how many games Halak has played and how well he's played this year. You can't argue those stats. Yeah, he's no slouch. Uh, so one thing that I did want to talk about real quick here, and I think it has a because we've kind of seen this for most of the season, or at least when the Flyers started to establish an identity. I think we saw most of the first periods that we saw from the Flyers. You could say were even. Or, you know, you could argue that maybe they looked like the lesser team in the first. So here's my theory. I think opposition teams and coaches know that they have to come out and try to get a lead on Philadelphia before the first period ends. They have to go up by at least a goal or two because Philadelphia is going to come out in that second period and and they're going to start to take the game over. You know, and we saw that against Boston in the first five, ten minutes Philadelphia started to establish their game, and they started to rip the game from the Bruins. And uh, I think it's like, you know in boxing, when someone's give you all, giving you all you got, and you know you kind of look back and you just smile, right? Uh, it's like, okay, you're giving me your best shot, but it, it, it didn't hurt me. And I think that's kind of what it was like for the Flyers and the Bruins after that first period. You know, you're the Bruins, you outshoot Philly 12-6, you're coming out of that first period 0-0, you might feel like you're losing. You know, you gave him your best shot and, and you're not winning. Um, the other thing that I want to say is Carter Hart is the great equalizer. You know, you essentially get outplayed in a first period like that and he's not going to let you go down. I And I think playing for a goalie like that has to give you an insane amount of confidence uh, going into the second, you know. Yeah, I mean, to bring back a point that you just made, uh, these teams want to get up on the Flyers early, and you said one or two goals. Uh, They don't necessarily need to get up two goals in the first period, but if they're only up one, they need to get that next goal in the second because the way this team responds, it's uh, it's demoralizing, especially against some of the teams that aren't as good, especially offensively. Uh, I think that's why I'm worried about a team like the Islanders because if they do get that lead, they can hold it. Uh, with their suppressive defense, and you got to give Trotz credit there. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, their teams are coming in against Philly and knowing that they they basically can't mail it in. Like this team has been rocking. They are they have talent throughout the lineup, and they're going to make you work for every puck, every possession. And it's on top of that, if you finally do break through, Carter Hart was I don't want to say stone wall, but he was pretty damn good. You know, in his first full game uh, that mattered. Um, there, he did give up one, but that, I don't, I can't really put that on him. There was a, no, it I was went a off peg skate. Yeah. It was a deflection and he was solid the rest of the way. And on top of that, to, to, to struggle, to get a lucky bounce like that. And then for them, them to respond the way they did with Myers, who everybody, some people have been hating on Myers. Let's not forget about that. You know, he's still young. He comes right down. He's got the guy to, you know, the pass, the options there, but he's flat out beat Halak and it looks sweet. And spe- speaking of sweet shots, who saw Nate Thompson with this, as I said it, snipiest sniper shot I've ever seen? Like, I mean, he had nowhere else to put that puck, and he put it exactly where it needed to go, and that was a huge goal. I put them up 2-0. I was shocked. I, I felt like I was watching a different team. I'm used to being on the other end of that, and that's scary, man, because, you know, I know they're not in a five- to seven-game series with Boston, and it's not, you know, for doesn't really – matter all that much but if you ask me what team wouldn't want the highest seed it matters it's not life or death but it matters they care that's why the coach was furious with them with the Bruins so I um you couldn't ask for a better first game to start this off no and you, you bring up a good point there because I can't remember which show that I mentioned it on but if you're the Bruins you already in your mind you already won that top seed 
So having to play around Robin for it again, not that it's demoralizing, but like put yourself in that situation. It's like, well, we should already be first. Why do we have to play through it again? Whereas if you're the Flyers, it's like you're playing on house money. Like you can't finish any lower than you already are. So go out and play your game. And that's what they did. And if they, I think if they win Thursday night, they can't finish any lower than third, which is, I'll take that. Sure. No problem. Because I, I think they'll finish top two, you know? You can't ask for better. And you that's a really good point. I didn't think about that. I definitely see it from the Flyers' perspective. It is house money. You're already expecting to have the lowest seed. You're already expecting to see Pitt or Washington based on the old playoff format anyway. So, like, what do you care? But Boston, there's two ways they could go about this. One is the way I, it looks so far where it's bitter. It's like we are the best team, not just in our conference, but the league, and we have to play for this, you know, but – you can respond in a childish manner and be like, well, this isn't fair. Or you could go out and reclaim your title because you're about to get going in the playoffs anyway. Or seeding, yeah, you might, you're still going to have to win games. So, like, why wait? You know, and I, I get it. But at the same time, you got to show that you're the dominant team. How, how, how big of a confidence boost, but more so a morality uh, crunching tactic would that look for them to we're the number one seed that was stolen for us we have to fight for that and then they sweep everybody or at least go two two and one and knock it off tampa which people have a question about who's also in their division mind you you know that's what they should be looking to do but instead at least after game one it seems that they haven't really put the pedal to the metal and it could cost them because now they're now they're looking up and tampa's their hardest matchup and i don't know what's going to happen with washington they're no slouches so um, I thought the Flyers, that was one game they could have jumped on us and got got their feet moving right. But, you know, in the end, it might not matter. But if I understand why Cassidy was pissed. And if I'm the GM and fans, I'm pissed, too. Yeah, it's not the end of the world, but it's definitely not the way you wanted to start this off. No. And there's a lot of vets on that team. It's not like it's a young team. Um, so I, I think the Flyers should still get a lot of credit in that game because I mean that top line was comp- so let, let's get into the game a little bit here actually so I had uh G Coots Voracek on the list to talk about we didn't really hear too much from that line offensively in that game but on the other hand you didn't you didn't hear anything from Bergeron Marchand Pasternak I couldn't even tell you if he played the only reason I know he played because he's what he's number 88 right or something like that yeah, I forget which number exactly, but it's in the 80s, yeah. So, I mean, I didn't. I don't, I don't think I heard any of those guys. I heard a lot about Bergeron because obviously he's in the Selkie with Coots, but that top line shut down Boston's top line. And heading into the game, my mindset was, okay, if the top lines can cancel out and that line of Lawton, Hayes, TK can kind of take over as the first line, we should win. Little did I know that the fourth line was going to – the fourth line was going to take over with Raffle, Thompson, and uh, Pitlick. Well, how many times have we been told that teams that go deep in the playoff runs have those kind of lines? I remember with the Rangers, uh, Alay Vigneault coached Rangers when they went to the Cup. Like, they had a fourth line that had some names that they're all guys that obviously got promoted. But, like, when they were the fourth line, they helped carry that team. That and good goaltending, which is something else this team has. They had star power. Good fourth line, decent defense, and good goaltending. And that's it. We might even be better than that. And that took them to the cup. And that's what we're seeing here. And these guys are contributing offensively, like you said. Drew, Jake, these guys, didn't, did they have any points? Because I know Raffle had a goal and an assist. I know we're saying defense. Uh, who, who scored the – Felipe Myers had a goal. Uh, Nate Thompson, who I was surprised was in the lineup at first. And boy, did I take that back because he didn't just score. He had a good game all around. Um, and who scored the uh, – and, and Scotty Lawton. Like this guy, like he's always scoring, this guy. <laughs> like I, they better do whatever they can to like I, – I feel like we're going to lose him in a couple of years because he's just – he get, keeps getting better and better. You could say every single game, which is a ridiculous statement because there's so many games played, he gets like a smidge better like every game. It's ridiculous. Like I love Scotty Lawton on our third line. And he was supposed to be our fourth line center, if you remember, when we sent him back to the Phantoms for like two years. Mm-hmm. And you know what? He didn't cry about it. He learned. He did his thing. And now you're combining that with his offensive prowess 
and how good the rest of the team is. And wow, what a player he's become. What a nice uh, Swiss Army knife he can be. And to go back to players that you didn't hear for Boston, I'll tell you who I did hear. I heard a lot of Halak because he was getting shot on. I heard a lot of defensemen. And uh, the only only good players I heard of were like Krug because he, he was moving and Chara because he's gigantic. But I didn't hear much of Marshan. I saw him messing a little bit, like very little. But game like that, he, I thought he would have been under everybody's skin. And I, he was barely noticeable too. And I think that goes to what you were saying about them shutting down that top line. Yep. Uh Somebody, who did I want to bring up there? Oh, do you remember when Scotty Lawton was drafted and they do the comparison thing? Do you remember how they compared him to a Mike Richards type player? And until maybe this year, the end of last year, you could argue that, yeah, maybe that's BS. But the way he's been playing, and I'm not ever, I'm not saying he's ever going to score points the way Richards did, but now you can kind of compare them a little bit, right? Or no? I mean, I uh, I Similar saw it when style he was player. Dra- I mean, yeah, no, I I saw it when he was drafted. It's just you, we didn't see him for so long, and his first go of it, they wanted like point production out of him, and it wasn't there. And he he actually didn't show that Mike Richards style of play all that much. It wasn't until he went to the Phantoms and toned his game. I don't know if anybody sat him down. It's like you're gonna play like Mike Richards, but I'm seeing it now. Like, and he's a perfect compliment for a guy like Kevin Hayes. Like those two. Like, can you imagine, like, the last time we were that good on the penalty kill was Mike Richards. So if you got Kevin Hayes and Mike Richards out there, that's pretty damn good. And um, I do see it more now than ever. And I also thought they drafted him because I know how much they liked Mike Richards, and they had just traded him for other reasons. And it made so much sense. Because, to be honest, there were guys I wanted ahead of him in that draft. I believe uh, Tara Vinen, uh, I think he went before Lawton, but also um, the defenseman from Pittsburgh. They just traded him to Chicago. He's a smaller guy. I can't remember his name. Um, but uh, he was good for a little bit. But now I'm starting to, and we all looked at that like, I don't want to say uh, he, like he was a bad pick, but we were kind of like, all right, you know, it was later, early to mid-20s kind of pick. Sometimes it happens. At least he's an NHL player. Now it's like, wow. Like, if I'm drafting at the end of the first round and I'm a, like that means I'm a playoff cup contending team, I would add a player like this in a heartbeat. Like, you, I mean, yeah, does he have the potential to be a top-line guy? Probably not. But when you're drafting down that late, who does? Unless you get really lucky and get a Pasternak or something. You know, this is the best you could ask for for the situation we were in. you got to remember, he was drafted in 2012. That was eight years ago. That's a long time. And he's really blossomed and really surprised a lot of us. And that's what I'm saying. I'm afraid we're going to lose him. He's going to price himself out because we got a lot of issues with the cap. And who knows what's going to happen with COVID and all that. I just hope they can hang on to him for as long as they can because it is really nice having him back there when your stars are on the bench taking a break. Yeah, I mean, this guy. So before the season started, we were all Scotty Lawton going to be, you know, on the fourth line. It's going to be the best fourth line in hockey, blah, blah, blah. You know, we couldn't foresee foresee the future with uh, Nolan Patrick. And then, uh, come on, who am I missing here now? Who's playing the third line? Oh, they went out and they got uh, Ryan, uh, Derek Grant. Uh, And then, you know, we see Scotty Lawton starting out on the second line, heading into the round robin. And everyone's like, "Eh, what's going on with that? Like, why isn't Farabee playing, blah, blah, blah. I was an advocate for that before they announced the line, because I think at the end of the Pittsburgh game, I noticed that they had TK Lawton and Hayes out together and they didn't start that way. So I'm kind of like, huh, that's, that's one of the things about this team is they're so deep that at any point during the game, Vigneault already has these backup lines in his mind and he can throw them out whenever he wants, like a wild card thing, you know? It's like chess for him. Like, oh, this line's not working. Boom, I'll get this line. Now, he's got, in his mind, he's got like five and six lines. Do you know what I mean? I mean, the last time they had that kind of effectiveness throughout their lineup was like their their Stanley Cup year. When you had like, we never had the 50 goal scorer, but you had like five 20 goal scorers. You know, like that's the last time I think they had this kind of depth. And just to add to that, like we lost Raffle to injury next man up. Next man up's Joel Farabee. Like, if this was what five years ago, next man up would have been Dale Weiss. Like, I mean, that's a big difference. Yeah. You know, I mean, they they really have some depth, and like, 
I like the Grant move, but now I'm seeing the effectiveness of a guy like Nate Thompson, which shocked me because he was barely hanging on with Montreal. And that goes to Vigneault's system. You know, you plug these guys in and they buy in. And of course you buy in when you see what the team's doing. And, and look what happens. And now you go into these other games knowing that your fourth line and third line will get things done. And once the stars start going, <laughs> good luck beating the Flyers. I love that you just said that. I got goosebumps. But uh, I wanted to talk about, you brought up Joel Farabee. So a guy like Rafa goes down and the Flyers say, okay, well, we're going to bring in our 2018 first round draft pick to replace him. You know what I mean? It, like to your, to your point, they're not bringing in a Dale Weiss. They're not bringing in a Laterra. They're not bringing in a Van Veldy. They're bringing in a, a first round pick to replace Michael Raffle. Now, he's a different player. You know, he's a, he's, I think he's like 40 pounds lighter than Michael Raffle. So I'm interested to see what line he's going to play on, where he's going to start out. And as, as much as we're going to put stock into that, like we just mentioned, it doesn't really matter where he's going to start out. Because at any point during this game, Vigneault can, be, can say, okay, well, this is not working. I'm going to put him here. Do you know what I mean? They, he can do so many things with this roster that the st- aside from the top line, every other line, it doesn't matter what he puts out because he could change it at any point. I think I like that. I used to be very old school. At least I think it's old school. We're like, you had a line and that was your line. And you'll figure things out and you want them to keep playing together so they get that chemistry. Mm-hmm. And I, I think now that's only with certain players. That's more pairs and you just mix and match i love that he changes things up because if you're the opposing coach how are you supposed to counter that especially when things aren't going your way mm-hmm. and he, he sees guys playing well and he starts putting them with better players and it's resulting in goals like it's affecting the scoreboard and it's from guys that you're not expecting to see this and it, it i just gotta say it's really nice to talk so nice about the team for two <laughs> years of talking so bad you know what i mean like we're not what talking a, about Hackstall and McDonald anymore. <laughs> oh my God. But like you said, like it's not just back in the day, even when the team was good in like the uh, early two thousands and the, you know, 2010, those years, if um, they were good, they weren't, they were not a juggernaut by any means, but like if somebody went down and they brought in their best prospect, it was usually like a third round pick that was overperforming. That was a flash in the pan. And you never saw like Andreas Nodal. Right. Like that was like the guy they brought in. It's like, okay, I like Nodal when he was here, but I never liked him that much. Joel Farabee right. was like, what, the 12th overall pick, the 14th overall pick of 2018. Right. He's been playing. He played all this year for the most part. He played very well. Uh, he He's young. He's, he should have made the team out of camp because of certain cap issues. He couldn't. He was heartbroken, and everybody felt for him. And they, they love Farabee. We've heard it from certain people associated with the team. It's like having a little brother, and he plays well. And he's, I want to see him in playoff action. To get him this kind of experience early in his career is going to pay dividends down the road. And we're going to have some cap issues, so we're going to need him to step up because we're not going to keep everybody together. And I'm excited to see him. I know he's going to – I don't expect to him to be on the first or second line. Uh, if he's playing very well or if they were to get some kind of lead, I might – you could see him get more – at least more ice time, if not moved up a line because that's what Vigneault does. Um, I'd be shocked, though. I think they're going to play it smart. I don't want to say safe. I think it's smart to just pretty much do what they did on on Sunday and just get the W and let everybody do their thing and let him work his way back into the lineup. And I'm sure he's a little uh, rusty as well and get that rust off. I, I But at the same time, he at any moment, he has the skill to turn a broken play into a goal. We've seen him do it, you know, as long as Kevin Hayes can stay on side. And, you know, it's, he has it's nice having another guy in your lineup that low in the lineup where if something happens and there's a breakout the other way, cause I remember watching like Pierre Elward Belmar get on a rush with a Tillery Flippola and it's like, okay, what are they really going to do? You know, mm-hmm. but therapy might make something happen. He's got the skill and they just might start to overpower teams and that can get very, that could really kill the morale of a team when they're trying to get back into it and they just can't catch a break. Now, I don't know if you wanted to finish up with Boston and jump into Washington because there are one thing the Flyers, I would say, lack compared to a team like that is uh, is that big-time star power. Yeah, let's transition a little bit because I, I, I wrote an article earlier today about Faraby uh, debuting in the lineup in the, in the round robin, and I just happened to look 
at the games that he did play against Washington this year. He only played in two out of the four games against the Capitals. Um, the Capitals are a bigger, more experienced team, and Farabee didn't get much ice time. I think I want to say 27 shifts total in the two games that he played and maybe 20 minutes tops combined. Uh, I forget how the minutes were distributed. I want to say 12 minutes and and you know seven minutes and change or something weird like that. And it made me think a little bit, you know, how much of a factor is he going to be on a third or a fourth line? In my opinion here, and I, I know everyone's kind of seen, I'm not the biggest, I'd rather have Michael Raffle play than Farabee and for other reasons, but I think if Farabee does play in this game, I think they have to put him on the second line. And I know I just talked up Law and Hayes and TK, but I think if you can sneak in Farabee on that left wing to play with Hayes, who he, you know, you brought up as well, he did have uh, chemistry with, it feels like everybody had chemistry with Kevin Hayes. If you could do Farabee, Hayes, TK, and, you know, Scotty Lawton's playing on your third line with, I don't know, that's still pretty damn good. Let the third and fourth line play against the bangers and and see if that second line can get going scoring-wise against the Caps. What do you think? I mean, I, honestly, I completely agree. Um, when I was speaking of a broken play and him possibly doing something, it's also because that's probably the only way they're really going to get any kind of offense going if he's that low in the lineup. Um could be wrong. I'm not sure who he's going to be with. But yeah, if, if I got Farabee. I love him with Hayes, and I would love him with Konechny as well. I just feel like those three would really make a good line because he, Hayes does everything. Farabee is kind of a wild card because he's got all the skill, and then Konechny is just all over the ice, and he, at any point he can shoot as well and just disrupt everything. And they got the good defenses to keep it going, which is um, which is nice. But I don't, ultimately, I, th- I think they stick with Coots, Voracek, and Giroux, and we didn't talk a whole lot about them, but they did shut down that top line, and that's probably one of the best, if not the best, best in the league. And they they were winning faceoffs, they had possession numbers, they kept everybody quiet, and while they didn't show up on the statistical sheet, they did exactly everything else, and that's a good sign as well because the points will come. That's it tends to be a thing with Giroux, especially he um. He'll do everything, and people start, oh, where are the points? Oh, it's the playoffs. Where's Drew? And then, like, when they're winning or they're playing well, he um, he comes through, and it, it kind of shocks everybody. He's done it during the regular season. He got off to a slow start, but then he came around, and he was his usual self. Um, but to, to your point, I think they're going to keep their, their lineup as uh, talentedly top-heavy as possible. I think we're more evenly distributed. Um, if Farabee deserves to get brought up i think that's how it happens and then that's a win-win for everybody but i don't think we're he's just going to put him out there either so we'll see um i haven't seen much on, on the lines yet i think the top line staying together i'm not sure about everything else um you got to figure i don't know what they're going to do with jvr not that he played bad or anything but he's the guy who tends to get dropped to the third and sometimes fourth line um you got to connect he's got to stay on the second line hayes same thing and it's like, well, Scotty Lawton deserves <laughs> to be bumped up. Um, I Vigno doubt made would... a point to call out JVR the other day. He didn't necessarily call him out, but said that he wanted to see more from him. And the only guy that he said that about. So I, I'm kind of interested to see if he does drop him to the fourth. Well, I mean, it's not just I, – I, like you said call out is not the right word, and I agree because it was more just his – he was asked about it. And he also uh, – he, 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 I don't want to say – was negative about but he had not the best things to say at first about Alb Kubel either he just said his level of effectiveness was not there yet like it was in the season mm-hmm. so I don't know that a guy like Davey R gets bumped down I think your fourth line is still a combination of Nate Thompson he might get bumped up to the third line I don't know um you know Pitlick and um and Alb Kubel like I think that's a good fourth line I think Farabee will go on the third line uh, with Grant and, um, geez, uh, I feel like I'm missing a player here, but it's tough because you like that fourth line with Raffle on it. Raffle's the ultimate utility guy, better served at the bottom of the lineup where Farabee's got one 
But one spot we really want him to play, especially this early in his career, um, he needs to play with talent. But how how else do you learn? You know what I mean? You get the playoff experience. You have to play a different style of game. Uh, I Maybe I don't want him in that spotlight yet because it's, quote, unquote, it's around Robin, but it's technically the playoffs. You know, I know you can't get eliminated, but these are very important games. So, I mean, it, it could go either way. You could really – depends on how you look at it. And I'm a, I am don't think he'll, he will start up there, but I – don't think that's the worst thing either and like we like we keep saying the luxury with this team is the depth so if the guy's not playing hard he's not working out on the third line swap him with somebody on the fourth tyler pitlick is a more than capable third line player you know something like that that's just an example but let's get to the top six guys real quick the guys that we that we expect to show up the guys that we were kind of ragging on a little bit in the beginning of the season who came on strong towards the middle and the end of the season there now, against the Capitals this year, the Flyers went 3-0-1. And even in that game where they where they lost, I expected them to win. Uh, absolutely dominated play in all facets this year against the Caps. Let's um so we have some stats here from our good buddy Kyle Warner, who's not able to join us tonight. He uh, works for an electrical company and he gets a little busy when storms come. So some stats here from from uh, our own Kyle Warner. Giroux against the Capitals, two goals and three assists. Vorchek, four assists. Hayes, two goals and an assist. Uh, Travis Konechny, three goals and an assist. Sean Couturier, two goals, two assists for a total of nine goals and 11 assists from those players in the four games against the Caps this year. The Flyers' best players show up against the Caps, and that's a huge reason why they played so well against them this year. I mean, that's that's great to hear. They are a division rival. It's the one team I hope they do show up against. Um and they've had our number in years past, so it's nice that this year we've had their number. Uh, I think they just beat us the first game we played each other, and, and that went to overtime. And I remember walking out of that game like, Flyers played well. They lost. They got a point, though. Like, you know, this team won a cup just, just a year ago, I believe, uh, or two years ago. And um, they looked good, but they didn't look back after that. They beat them every other time. And it got to the point where they weren't – by them like it was an important monday night or wednesday night rivalry rivalry game i'm at chicken and pete's it's packed and they they went up like four to one before the end of the second period and it was in washington like that's a different team that is a completely different team than anything we ever saw with hacksaw i expect them to do something similar on thursday i expect them to show up there's just just if they get blown out or, or clearly not the better team i will be absolutely shocked and considering that our stars didn't really do too, too much offensively against Boston, I expect them to show up against Washington. And now the only thing we have to be careful of is Washington's, uh, I don't want to say a wounded animal right now, but they almost beat Tampa and they couldn't quite pull it off. So they're going to definitely be looking for that win because after Philly, all they got is Boston and they already got a, they already got an L. So it could be interesting, but as we've been saying, if they just play their game and the stars shine and honestly if you want to talk about any negative the power play still isn't very impressive um if they could get that going at all then like i said earlier good luck beating the flyers you know who looks a little bit rejuvenated to me in that in that uh caps lightning game and i don't want to get too far in that into that yet because i want to talk about the flyers cap still but brayden holpe kind of looks refocused or recentered. he looks like the old brayden holpe a little bit he's not he's not flying all over the place in his crease uh, the Caps, like you mentioned, on full circle on Monday, they made a couple moves bringing in Ilya Kovalchuk, but I think the main guy there that they brought in was Brendan Dillon. You know, the last couple trade deadlines, they brought in some defenders. Uh, I'm thinking of Michael Kempney, uh, Nick Jensen, and now Brendan Dillon. If the fly, I'm sorry, if the Capitals' defense can play well, like they did, I get, I think against uh, the Lightning, this is this could be a different Caps team. Having said that, though. The way the Flyers play, I think the depth just comes into play again. Uh, the only part that worries me here, like you said, the Caps were kind of a wounded duck towards the end of that, towards the end of the run there. I fully expected the Flyers to not just pass the Caps, but to take that division by, you know, multiple points, not like a one or two point thing, like six, seven, eight points potentially. I think Washington was, just from my perspective, I think I think they were beat up defensively. They didn't know what the hell was going on. Hope he was playing like shit. They were playing the young kid. All of a sudden, the young kid's hurt. They get the break. Hope he's re, uh, refocused. They they look better. I mean, uh, Tampa Bay was blowing teams out. 
you know, they, they let them get the two goals and, and, and that was kind of it. Uh, sorry, I just went on a little bit of a rant there, but what I, what I want to see Thursday is I want to see the Flyers limit penalties because uh, I have another stat here from Kyle. The Flyers on the PK this year against the Caps, they allowed one goal, but on 19 opportunities in four games. That's almost five penalties a game against the Capitals. If you give Alex Ovechkin, Nicholas Backstrom, uh, Jacob Verana, who am I missing from there? If you want to throw Kovalchuk in there, sure. Kuznetsov. If you give these guys five chances to score on the power play a game, they're going to eventually start putting them in the back of the net, you know? So well, I that's think- a very good point because, um, as I alluded to, they're very top heavy with offensive talent. Oshie's another name like these guys and Ovechkin. He had, it looked like he didn't even take any time off. He, he almost had a hat trick in his preseason game. And I think he played pretty well against Tampa as well. Like he's always putting up points. You do not. I mean, that's an impressive penalty stat penalty kill stat. But I don't even, I don't even want to risk it, not against these guys. And mm-hmm. while we have beat Washington in the regular season, we really haven't beat them in the playoffs. You have to go back to like 2008, you know, the last time we did anything. And I know it's, again, it's a round robin. I'm treating it like a playoff game. It has very important implications, and you just you can't let Ovechkin go wild. I'm hoping because that uh, there was a little controversy with the uh, Tampa Bay uh, Washington game, and I want to get your thoughts on this. What you think there could be a possible rule change? I don't know. So, um, not Kuznetsov, uh, Kucherov for Tampa took a uh, a penalty right at the end of overtime, and there was like nine seconds left, and he just blatantly took a penalty. He was allowed to take a penalty shot. How do uh, I, I won't say anything. How do you feel about that? You know, I'm going to play devil's advocate because I could see the argument. He took the penalty. Shouldn't be shouldn't be able to shoot in the shootout, but the penalty that he took was a two-minute penalty during the game. The game's done. The shootout is not a part of the game. It's its own separate thing. So, yeah, he's not kicked out of the game. He should be able to shoot in the shootout. I think. What do you think? I have mixed feelings. I mean, what you said makes perfect sense. I'm just like, what if instead, like, it's a scramble in front, and he like. He doesn't get a game misconduct. I'm not saying he does anything of that, but he does something. Like he just goes up to the net and just tips it over. Like he blatantly just rips the net out. And it's like we were about to win the game kind of thing. And then he's the first guy to take the penalty shot. And it's kind of like, oh, okay. What the, is this just one of those things? Or is this because the announcer is the one who brought this up? And I was yeah. talking to a guy at work who's a Washington fan. So he's obviously jaded. So I'm trying to look at this subjectively as possible. I don't think anything happens ultimately. I think the point you made is ultimately the better point. Um, but it is it is interesting. You know, I, if anything, I think that game should have went to a continuous OT, <laughs> not a shootout. I, I hate the shootouts. Like, these games mean a lot, and they're being decided by shootouts. So when, when Boucher said that, because I think it was Boucher who brought it up, it made a lot of sense to me in the moment. I'm like, yeah, you know what? He was in the box. Like, why does he get to come out to participate in the shootout? But then I'm like... The shootout is not part of the game. Like, the game clock is done. Like, the game's over. Like, they didn't score on the nine seconds that they had the power play. He comes out of the box. The game's done. He's not sitting there anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, it's kind of like, well, he's not in the box anymore. Like, are you going to kick him out? If he got a... All right, let's say let's say somebody does something under a minute left or 30 seconds, whatever, and you're the referee and you could say, well, if he didn't do that, the other team, if all right. So how about this rule? Just popped in my head. If you get a penalty with 30 seconds left in an overtime, just send him to the locker room. Otherwise, he's he's going to be able to participate in the shootout. You know what it I mean? Would, it would definitely make overtime more interesting because yeah. you can't you know blatantly do something stupid. But then then again, now you're putting like the game in the referee's hands, which is never a good idea. Because sure. what if it's not a blatant penalty? What if it's a bullshit penalty? Like you know. Giroux, they call him for hooking or something, and it's like he, dude, he never even had a stick on the guy. What are you talking about? You can't reverse calls. They're once they're yeah. called, they're called. Now Giroux can't take a penalty shot based on a non-call that for whatever reason got called. So or what? Yeah, it's, it's got to be like a blatant ball. foul or something. Yeah, you're it, right. It's it, it, it's there's you know what it is. There's too much. Just uh, it could go either way. There's too much subjectiveness to this. It's I don't think it should go. I uh, I just I guess I don't like 
they're, they're only playing three round robin games. Why couldn't they be continuous OTs? Yeah, and it's I, like if if somebody comes out, it's like, oh, well, you know, it's a technically a regular season game. Dude, you see what they just did with the NHL draft? If they could do that crap, then what <laughs> I'm suggesting ain't that weird at all. And it's yeah. more exciting by far. I expected to see the three uh, the three on threes in the reg in the uh, I guess they're qualifier games. And then when they got that full break and they came out to play, uh, were they playing five on five? Yeah, it was Montreal hit. Yeah. yeah, I expected it, it, to see a quick break and then three on three, and I'm like, oh fuck, I forgot. It's like a playoff uh, game. I, I, it popped in my head, and I was like, all right, well, okay, wait a minute, it's not three on three. But I'm like sitting there watching the commercials, like, wait a minute, they're taking a full. So then I went like got a drink and everything because I, <laughs> I thought they were coming right back out too. It, it took me a second, but um, I mean, these games are so important. They're technically a part of the tournament. I know it's not tournament games, but like, why not? It's just better if, if you can quote unquote rig the nhl draft for drama reasons why wouldn't you do this for drama reasons like i don't know it just it seemed like an easy one to me it's not like you're playing uh a series against these round robin teams it's it's three games but i I don't know at the end of the day i guess it's not that important and they just want to end it so i uh it's I, i won't be upset it was just something that i thought was odd and i wanted to get your thoughts on it i think nothing happens i think it'll stay the same uh, because of it's just too subjective. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit more about that game. So obviously the Flyers have to play the Capitals on Thursday, and then they have to play the Lightning on Saturday. Did you get to watch that uh, whole game? Uh, the Washington-Tampa? No, I didn't see any of it, actually. Okay. All right, so Tampa looks just as good without Steven Stamkos, if you ask me. Uh, Braden Point, phenomenal, dude. I know you're a big Braden Point guy. Dude, he's like, he's something else, the way he skates. He creates his own space while he has the puck. Like, I I was kind of blown away because I'm like, yeah, this guy is good, but, you know, how much of it is him playing with Kucherov and Stamkos? This kid, I don't think, gets enough credit because of that. I think he's a stud in his own right. Yeah, I mean, he definitely is. It's ridiculous. When I talk about top-heavy offensive talent, Tampa Bay is even more so than Washington. I mean, that first, that power play unit is insane. There's a team you do not want to take a penalty against, especially when Stamkos is back. But even without him, they just, their defense, and then they got Vasilevsky back there. Like, they're the team, I hope that somehow they get eliminated by somebody else. Or if you're playing them, it's in the round before before the cup. Because... Oof, they are scary like that. And that's why Columbus sweeping them was like one of the greatest things that's ever happened because it's ridiculous. <laughs> and I don't think that's going to happen this year. I think they're they're for real. They didn't finish first and not they're not out of gas. They uh, they limped, uh, not limped. They kind of like stumbled out of the gate is what I should have said uh, to the NHL season. But they started picking it back up again. They were rising up the rankings. They were they were not hot on Boston's tail, but they were on their tail. And now it's a kind of a clean slate. And you said that the Flyers look good in this um, seeding uh, round robin. Well, Tampa's another team that could easily take that top seed and get back on track to how they screwed up last year and right a lot of wrongs. And they're going to be really, really, I actually hope that somehow the Islanders play the lightning. At least one of those teams gets eliminated for the Flyers because oof, that's going to be, that's, I'm afraid of them. Like as as much as we talk about Philly and how you know good luck beating the Flyers, Tampa's the team to do it. They are ridiculous top to bottom. Yeah, you know, I was kind of looking at their roster a little bit and you know, I'm looking at their defense. Obviously Victor Hedman, uh Norris Trophy candidate year in, year out. Uh Ryan McDonough, very, very solid defenseman in his own right, former captain of the Rangers. Uh Kevin Shattenkirk, kind of a resurgence this year with the Lightning, solid season. Uh, good, solid veteran back there on the blue line. Uh, Zach Bogosian. Did you know that they picked him up? No, I, I did not. I had no idea until I watched this game. Maybe when it happened, but I really don't remember. Yeah, so Is, I mean... Is uh, Sergachev still playing? Yep, Sergachev's still there. I mean, they're they're kind of loaded on defense, and I'm not saying Coburn. that because... <laughs> yeah, it's Braden Coburn. Like, very, very solid veteran defensive core. So they know what they're getting. They don't really have any leaks back on D. And then you're talking about Vasilevsky, who I feel like owns the Flyers, man. Like 
when I watch him play, I'm like, how the fuck are you supposed to score on this guy? There's no, you can't see the back of the net ever the way he shields his crease. He just looks so big. Yeah, I went to uh, nine games this year and my record was six and three. Two of them are when I go with Kyle and sit in a box. They always get annihilated, which is ridiculous how good their season was. The the one game I went to was one of the most boring games I've ever watched, and it was a loss. I went on a double date. It was against Tampa. They lost one nothing. It was terrible. Terrible. (laughs) I mean, I can't believe we only held them the one goal, but then we couldn't do anything. Like they can beat you if you wanna you wanna have a shootout where it's like eight to six, they can beat you. You want to keep it tight where it's one nothing, they can beat you. You want to go to overtime, they can beat you. Like that's that's what's scary about them. They're never out of a game. They're always in the driver's seat. Uh, the only thing that can stop this team this year is probably like a couple of serious injuries. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. Yeah. But they also they're so they have depth. They have better depth. I want to say than we do because they got more. They got better guys up front. And a better, more seasoned goaltender and a better defense with, like you were saying, Shattenkirk had a resurgence. I feel like anybody can have a resurgence on this friggin' team. You know, look at the names that he's playing with. All he's got to do is be adequate, you know, and then everything else just comes easy. Like, it's ridiculous. And like I said, I hope we don't see it. Somehow, I hope, it, like when we went to the Cup of 2010, we somehow managed to avoid playing both the Penguins and the Capitals. The Penguins, who had just won the Cup, the Capitals, who were like the top team in the league, somehow Montreal took them both out. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> we need something like that. Somebody needs to take out the Islanders and Tampa, and then we, we should be okay. You know, well, hopefully. But that's what I'm getting at here with teams that scare me, and they're definitely the team for sure. And we're talking about we're talking about Tampa, and I'm thinking to myself, how the fuck, did, how could they keep all these guys and still be under the salary cap? Because, you know, you have Stamp, they're like. Imagine the Flyers with superstars, Stamkos, Hedman, uh, Kucherov. Like, Kucherov's the guy that scares me because watching him play, dude, it's like you you could see what he's going to do like while you're watching a game on TV. But it's like when you watch it, it's like, oh, my God, like how were they supposed to stop that? You know what I mean? Like he's that kind of player. It's like you could see it coming. You see it coming and he doesn't. It's like they had no shot. Yeah, I mean, and they have a couple of guys like that, too. And then, like, when you finally get your breaks, you have to beat their defense. And then if you finally get through that, it's Vasilevsky. <laughs> so it's ridiculous. Right, right. Yeah. You have to play a perfect game. Yeah, That's just it. And you, it's really, really hard to do that four times, you know, and before you lose four times. And that's it's it's got to be demoralizing to give it everything you got and still lose to that team. Um, and I think they're they're my team to win it all by far. Like they're, they are absolutely ridiculous. I think they're the best team in the league. It's coming together. They're, they're not tired. They're arrested. This COVID thing helped them the best. If you can see what happened to them last year and they're, you know, hopefully for them, uh, if they get Sam Coast back at any point, it's, it's just going to be insane. And, uh, I, like I said, if we can avoid them by all means, cause that, even if you do pull off that win, by the time that series is over, you're oh, going to yeah. be absolutely drained. Like it's gonna be tough to get up and go play like Boston or somebody else. Like <laughs> that'll be that'll be tough. For sure. So let's get to um I had some topics here for the caps game before we get too far away from it. So mentioned already Kyle was unable to join us for the show, but we still have some Kyle's keys for the Washington game. So let's discuss these real quick. One I think we already touched on touched on without looking at the keys. So Key number one, top two lines production. We talked about the stats. How crucial is it for the Flyers' top two lines to produce in, the, in this game against Washington? I think it's um, going by some of the stats we've seen earlier, going by how they played, these top stars played on Sunday. I think it's imperative. I don't think you can lean on your fourth line and third line, especially with Raffle out of the lineup now, uh, to get it done for you. They're going to have to come through. They're going to have to... Do what they did on Sunday defensively, but now they need to pick it up offensively because if this team can score right there with you, and they do it in bunches, and Ovechkin's ridiculous. He's still ridiculous. Um, I'm not as afraid as Holpe as I used to be. I'm hoping that that overtime shootout loss uh, weighs on him because Kucherov has had his number. Uh, It brings me back to the All-Star game where he kind of embarrassed them with a couple of moves. And I'm hoping that, you know, makes it, he's a, their goalie. So they can get, they can get pissy. They can get, you know, out of their own, out of their own heads. And 
I'm just hoping if we get on him early, that can happen for us. And that's what needs, that is what needs to happen. We need to get on them early and often. I don't want weak shots from the outside. You, they have to generate good scoring chances. You can't hope Nate Thompson is going to hit a, a miracle shot up top left corner, like with no room. It's not going to happen in this game. I'm telling you. It, it, it's, it's again, it, that was against Halak. This is Braden Holpe. You know, there's a difference there at the very least. So, um, they got, you got, they got guys on defense too. They so, I mean, unless Gudis is out there, you know, <laughs> just try not to get hit, but they got Carlson who can do stuff. Like he was well on his way to winning the Norris before he got hurt and kind of fell off a little bit. It was with his point production Orloff's a name. Um, there's a couple of other guys that I'm, I'm not thinking of right now, but they, they're another team throughout the entire lineup. These guys can score and they can score fast. And if they, uh, they get behind, it's going to, it could be tough getting back into it. So I, uh, if the top guys don't produce, I think we're looking at an L. Okay. Key number two, controlling Washington's speed through the neutral zone. So Kyle has here, the Capitals play an extremely fast paced, fast paced North South style of play carrying speed through the neutral zone and over the blue line. If the Flyers can clog the neutral zone, not allowing the Caps to gain momentum, uh, they should fare fairly well. I don't know why I said fair twice there, but I did. So I got it, though. It made sense in my world. <laughs> so what do you think? Flyers got to clog up the neutral zone or what? I mean, owning the neutral zone is always key. It's especially key against these guys because they do move fast and they they just they pass the puck very well. Uh, one other thing is if they come in and they have a uh, off the rush kind of move shot and say it gets hit to the corner, they retrieve very well and get set up very well. And before you know it, they're moving the puck around and you're out of sorts. And these guys can really pick their corners, especially Ovechkin, obviously. I mean, shit, I can even see Kovalchuk if he's open and has space, he can still he can still pick some spots. Um, Oshie's another guy, God forbid he gets loose and you know, the, the list goes on and on. So they, they can't make any mistakes. I don't want to say it needs to be a perfect game, but it needs to be a good game and they can't, they can't show up late and <laughs> they gotta, they gotta be ready to go from the get go. Um, yeah, it's, uh, clogging up the neutral zone will definitely save them a lot of energy and potentially a lot of catching up to do. So I would definitely be for that. 100%. So that's number two. And the third one we kind of already talked about was the PK. Staying out of the box. And if you do, because there are going to be penalties. I mean, it just happens uh, to kill the penalties off. I mean, that that one's, it goes without saying, uh, all three of these round robin teams, it's going to be, the PK is going to be there because their their power plays are ridiculous. Um, I would rank them Tampa's, Boston's, and Washington's, but that doesn't mean that Washington's isn't incredibly lethal. I mean, you're going to be dealing with Ovechkin for the entire power play. He does not go off. He plays with both units, and that sucks. He stands in one spot. You know where he is, and guess what? It still works, and that's that sucks, honestly. <laughs> and they have a, they're very good with the puck movement, and um, that's a quick way to get down. If you you take stupid penalties for whatever reason, and you let them go to, to go to work on you, if you do survive, you're going to be gassed. And unless you just absolutely kill it, which you can't rely on that. You just have, it's better to just play smart. Um, so yeah, I mean, and it's more, not so much penalty kill. It's special teams. Like, like I alluded to earlier that our power play has to get going. That's the one thing that we're missing that I think prevents us from being a juggernaut. If we had a top five, I'll even take top 10 power play. Then we'd be right there with these top heavy teams. And we'd be, I wouldn't be worried about being down a goal like late in the second because I'd be like, hey, listen, we get a power play. We can get back in this game. A power play now, I think Boston had more scoring chances than we did, and that can't happen because you cannot be giving up shorthanded chances and, God forbid, goals in these games, and especially in the playoffs. So that's I'm more worried about the power play because they're, they're the PK is more effective than they are. Like I'm more worried about getting scored on on the power play than I am the PK. <laughs> and that's saying something. It hasn't happened, but I'm still worried, and rightfully so. Sure. Sure. So let's move on a little bit here, because we're kind of getting to the end of the show. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some of these qualifying matchups. And without thinking of, you know, who leads what by what, I'm just going to ask you for your winners of each series, okay? So Pittsburgh-Montreal, who you got? Pittsburgh, uh, I was hoping to go to at least five. 
I had spoke with uh, Steve about this, and I said my, this is before they won last night. How uh, I, I thought that was great for Montreal. Carey Price just can't do it on his own. I, I he's trying, but he's not going to be able to do it on his own. Pittsburgh's coming into their own, and God forbid if Malkin starts playing well, then it's over. It's over anyway, but it's going to look really good for them going into the playoff. Um, Crosby looks like himself. Pittsburgh, I'm like locking in. Pittsburgh's winning that series. Okay. Uh, Hurricanes. So two things. Do they finish off the rags tonight? And if they don't, do they end up still taking the series anyway? Uh, I don't think they finish him up tonight, but I do think they take the series. Uh, as much as we like to shit on uh, Mike Milbury, there is a stat. Uh, I think only one time in the history of the league in like 50 to 60 tries where there was a five-game series, only once has a team come back from 2-0. And I don't think the Rangers are that team. Um, I-, I like how the Hurricanes are playing right now. Uh, I don't know how Mrazic found his game, uh, but mm-hmm. they also got very good defense. Sebastian Ajo is a stud. And, you know, Dougie Hamilton, they got, they got all sorts of talent on that team. I, I can't, oh, it's, how about a number two overall pick? Uh, the hell's his name? Svechnikov. Yeah, Svechnikov. Yeah, yeah. What, do you have it's a hat man, trick the other night? Man beast, dude. That was the first Carolina Hurricanes ever playoff hat trick. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so a team that had Eric Stahl, oh my God. So, um, yeah, so I could see the Rangers making it interesting, maybe even pushing game five, but I'm still going with Carolina. Okay. Uh, Islanders, Panthers. So the Islanders just won today to go up two nothing. What do you think? I think the Islanders sweep them. I, okay. I, I honestly think that the Islanders are dangerous, and it's been proven so. Bob did not look good today at all. Uh, he there were goals where he was screened. There was goals where he just didn't look like he was ready. Like he just didn't. Ex- I watched a, a good portion of uh, both of these games, and uh, he was he was either screened or Pulak had a goal. Uh, what did they play today or yesterday? I don't remember. It was yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah, or was it today? Uh, they played today. Today it was today. Yeah, because I, I came home from work. I saw the end of that game. Pulak had a a goal where he just he came in. He could completely see him from the circle, no screen, and he just flat out beat him. And it wasn't even that hard of a shot. I'm like, what is he doing? Like, it just I don't know. It looks silly, and I don't think they're they can't compete on the scoreboard. And if they do, they they're not going to be able to break through because the Islanders are going to they're going to smother them and they've already been doing that all the games have been like close games because once the Islanders get their lead they just shut it down and uh, I don't think the I'd be surprised if Florida wins a, a game at this point. Okay, so last one here for the eighth seed, do you have the Maple Leafs who won today three nothing but also lost an important Jake Muzzin? Or the Blue Jackets, who won the first matchup 2 nothing. That was a very scary play. I don't know what happened. It looked innocent. did look like he hit his head. He was lying on the ice, but he was he took his helmet off. He was talking. I guess it's his legs. I don't know, but he got stretchered off. Things like that, though, they're not going to respond poorly to that. And they did get the win today. Um, <laughs> both games, Corpusala, even today, played out of his mind. He, he was doing everything he could. He only gave up two goals. There was an empty netter. He lasted deep into the second period before they got a, a tip goal. Like, it was that was tough to stop. And, then, you know, then they got another one. It was Tavares. There's too much offensive firepower here. I don't think that Columbus has the legs to compete. Yeah, it was cute getting that first win. Uh, I don't think Toronto was ready. Toronto is a lot like Philly used to be, uh, except for they are much more talented and they can recover from starting slow. Uh, once they start heating up, uh, I think it's over. I think that Toronto wins the next two games. Chance it goes to game five. Toronto's easily my pick. If Corpus Allo has a bad game, they're getting blown out. Like, I mean, that defense is good, but he's holding them together. They're not that good. Uh, it's Toronto all day. Okay. So let me just throw this at you here, the potential – First round playoff matchups, and you know we don't have to get too in depth about it, but there's a matchup on here that I know we're definitely not going to like, and I'm sure you know if all the Flyer fans are that are listening, they're not going to like it either. But let's just say Tampa Bay wins that number one seed, right? Because I think we agree that they're probably the best out of the four teams right. right now. Tampa Bay versus the Leafs. We have, let's say the Flyers finish number two. Okay, let's say they beat the Caps Thursday. Maybe they steal a point from Tampa Bay, or even if they don't. Let's just say they finish number two. They will have to play the New York Islanders in the first round. Go figure. <laughs> right? It, 
Yeah, that's if this is how it matches up. Because I'm assuming like this is how it's going to be, right? I, I uh, it, does it, it. I don't know. Does it reseed? I don't remember. Yeah, that's something I have to check out. But uh, if they're going to do it, yeah, I have to check out if it reseeds. But uh, I'm just carrying the seed over right okay. now. So uh, third would be the Caps versus the Canes, another great series. And then four versus five is the Bruins and the Penguins. All oh. all great first round matchups. I would love man. to see that series. Yeah, oh, that'd be great. That I would love to see that series. That'd be awesome. I don't. I can't remember the last, the last time they played each other. I think was the Eastern Conference Finals in like 2011 or something. Yeah. Um, now, I, I do think it reseeds. I'm not 100 percent sure. I would hate to play the Islanders. I'm honestly hoping of the teams that advanced that we would play Carolina. Uh, that's the team we've handled them this year. I know they're playing much better, but I just think between our depth and offense and goaltending and defense, they do. I do give them the edge on defense. Uh, I do give us the edge on offensive depth, but we kill them in goaltending. And I think that's and coaching, in my opinion. And I think that's um, I think that's what will shine. Uh, if it's a seven game series, I think we could take them in in five games. Um, anybody else? Penguins? Who the hell knows? We should win, but who knows? Islanders should win. That could be very tough. Is, is there oh is there one more matchup or is that it? Uh, so we have Tampa Bay Leafs. Oh, Leafs. Yeah. There's, a, there's yeah. a chance we could play Toronto. Uh, that would be an interesting one. That'd be a barn burner. I also think we would take that series, but I see that being in six, possibly seven games. Mm-hmm. We we had their number this year. I think they got us once in a shootout, but that was it. Yeah, the eleven round shootout or whatever the hell it was. I think we won that one. I think we lost the the one before that. I don't remember. You might be right. I just yeah, remember the, so. their goalie getting mad. Oh, they had nothing left, so that one went in or whatever. I remember the one. I think the one that we won. Remember, Giroux just came out and bombed that shot. Yeah, and that's what. Um, who's their goalie for? I can't. Can't believe I can't think of his name. Was it? I don't know if it was Anderson at the time. Was it Frederick Anderson? I think it was for. Yeah, it was Anderson. And he was like, "Well, they had nothing left, so he just shot." Like he was real salty about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was definitely that goal. Yeah, and um, yeah, that was when we won. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, if I had to order who I'd like to play. I would like to play Carolina, then the Maple Leafs, then Pitt, then the Islanders, in that order from who I'd like to see them play to who I would not. (laughs) And I do think all those teams are going to win based on what we're seeing right now. uh, I don't think it's that much of a stretch either. No. So that's going to bring us to the end of this episode. The next time that we're back together, Jack, the round robin will be done. And we'll have the playoff seeds. Let me just make sure here. I was going to say, will the other Tuesday games be done? They should be. Next Tuesday will be the 11th. I think most of the other series wrap up by Sunday, which will be the 9th. So the next time we get together, we'll know who the Flyers are playing in the first round. They'll have played the Lightning and the Caps. Hopefully they'll be in the top two seeds. Or, or maybe if the if maybe if the Islanders win, maybe they, you know, Maybe they figure out a way not to play the Islanders. Who knows? But, yeah, so there's going to be a lot happening in the next week. Make sure you guys check out that uh, HW Full Circle with Jack and Steve. Uh, Check out our last couple episodes. A couple of bangers we had. We had Derek Settlemeyer, former Flyers head equipment manager of the Flyers. Did I just say the Flyers twice? I think you said – maybe you did. I don't know. You've done that a couple times tonight. (laughs) All right, so we had Settlemeyer on. Make sure you guys check out that episode. If you have any uh, skate shop needs, make sure you head on over to uh, SettlemeyerSkateSharpening.com. I did a show with Jim Dowd, the Junkyard Dog, former New Jersey Devil, former Flyer, former Wild, former Avalanche, former Canadian. Uh, I can't remember who else, but former Stanley Cup champion, New Jersey native, awesome guy, awesome episode. Make sure you check that out. A lot of articles hitting the uh, interweb. Check out hwhockey.net. Jack, what did I miss? Anything? Uh, I guess other than that, just remember to like, favorite, and subscribe. Um, you can catch me at Jack underscore HW Radio. Um, the only other show we do is Enforcer's Corner. That's Kyle's show. Uh, and other than that, I look forward to seeing the matchups next week. I got kind of got chills when you said that. Like, <laughs> then it's crazy. for real. It's yeah, for real next happen. week, man officially start next week so we'll wrap up guys thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week
Ultimo Tempo.